Hello, beautiful people. My name is Golden, and I am a part of the Fire Realm movement. For more free resources, don't hesitate to stop by our website. That is www.firerealmglobal.com. In case you didn't know, I am a music artist, and I love spreading love and positivity all around the world. My EPK is called Golden from Death to Life. You can check it out on our website or on all major platforms. And especially in this trying time, if you're hurting or you're in a need of prayer, please don't hesitate to send us an email. That is info at gmail.com. Until then, please be safe and be blessed. Alrighty, alrighty. Alright, praise God this morning. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Right into the message today. I think um, like every message that God will use, um, use here at the Fire Room, the minister, or whether it's myself or or someone else. Um, I know that the word is... is it's, it it can do many different things in your life if you allow it to, and um, and the word the word actually has supernatural power in it to do the impossible and things like that if you allow it. One of the things that we, for example, don't do that causes the word not to really work in our lives like how we want is because either we don't take notes, we don't go over those notes. And some of us, we do go over those notes or we do take notes and things like that. But um, we don't really allow that word to be to meditate and get in our hearts, um, whether it's through memorizing it and things like that. So when situations happen in your life, because you remember the word and because you spend time in the word, what's going to happen is the word is going to come to your mind in those problems or those situations in life. So so it's very important to um to 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 meditate on the word and allow the word to work in you to work in your spirit, work in your heart, work in your soul. So um and that's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. It's all about you becoming more and more like Christ. It's all about you learning how to hear from God, how to walk with God, how to see the power of God in your life. The power of God first to change you, and then it can change somebody else. Why would, why would someone else want your Jesus if they can't see the change in your life? Think about it. Why would I want to eat at a horrible restaurant, uh, that I've been hearing from people that's horrible. And then a friend of mine tells me, oh, you know, the restaurant, you know, you should eat there. And, I'm at, and I ask them, okay, why should I eat there? And they can't give me an answer. You know, but they're like, oh, you should eat there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen more to those people who's, who has told me that that restaurant is horrible. Eat versus just my friend. Why? Because what they're saying and 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 the advice they're giving me is not influencing me to even want to go to that restaurant and that's the same thing with Christ see see we have ate at restaurant Jesus 
But the question is, has your life been showing a representation of Jesus to make people want to say, I got to have your Jesus? Or I got to go. I want to go to the church that you go to. And that's the thing. That's a that is a reflection of where we are spiritually and how and how if your life it, it, it shows Christ what's going to happen is people are going to want this Jesus that you talk about. And so that's where this message comes from today. Uh, the message is titled The Reward of Living Holy. The, do you know there's a reward for living holy? There is. And so, uh, matter of fact, let me just pray f- um, for all those listening. Um, all those listening to the recording and all those listening even to the live service today. We welcome you. And I uh, just wanted to say a quick prayer. Uh, just so we can have our hearts open to what God has to say for our lives. So, Father God, I just thank you, Lord, today. Lord, I thank you for all those listening and all those uh, listening to the recording today, Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts to hear what you're saying. And let us not just hear it, but let us do it so we can receive the rewards of your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Lord, I rebuke every spirit that will block your people from hearing what you have to say. Father God, I rebuke witchcraft. I rebuke every deaf, dumb spirit, Lord. I rebuke every every spirit of distraction, Lord. Father God, I just rebuke every demon, Lord. And I declare and decree, Lord, uh, your delivering power in Jesus' name to be able to hear what you're saying, Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So... Uh, the, the, like I said, the title of is, uh, the reward of living holy. Do you know there is a reward for living holy? Some of us, you never probably heard that before. Well, I got news for you. There is a reward for living holy. There is a benefit for walking with God. It is. There is. Now, the question is, if, if, if. If I'm living holy, where is my reward? Or some of us, if you're not living holy, that actually shows why you're not receiving a reward that you've been praying to God about. Because God is saying, my son, my daughter, I have a reward for you. But you're not living to the standard that I'm calling you to. And I can't get the reward to you. You ever been like that? You ordered something on Amazon or eBay and you're like, I paid my money. I'm ready for that, 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 uh, that thing to come in the mail. But what happens when you paid and it doesn't come? You know what you do? You, you, you send Amazon a message or you send USPS a message. You know, you, you, you want to get your award because you paid for it. And how do you feel? You feel like you feel kind of cheated. You feel, you know, you don't feel good. Well, that's how it is spiritually. Some of us, you you gave God your life, but you're not really living holy to receive the reward. And some of us, you've been living holy, 
You've been walking with God, but God is trying to say, why don't you go to your spiritual mailbox and pick up the packages I sent you? You paid for it. You, 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 you walking with God. So, 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 so there is a reward for being holy. Now, here's the, now I want to give you a, an example of this holy thing. This is um, a real funny story, but, um, uh, you know, me and my, me and my wife, right? We, 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 we be chilling out, you know, we really like, chill, you know, chilling out, hanging out and things like that. You know, we have date, date nights, date days. We're going on a lot of dates with each other. We're going on seven years being married and faithful and still in love, believe it or not. <laughs> and, um, and you know, we have date days, you know, we, we go out to these restaurants, right? And, and, and you know, we, we, we talk, we talk about relationship, we talk about life, we talk about many different things. And, you know, we have fun with each other. You know, that's my best friend and she's, I'm her best friend and, and, you know, we, we, we get along real, real great. We always been like that really. But, um, the thing is we found that even though we have a good relationship, right? We would go to these restaurants and we would find that at certain restaurants, I mean, they really get under our skin. I mean, um, you know, we go, we go there, pay our money, everything like that. We sit down. The hostess is great. But as soon as you about to eat your food, you see a piece of food in your fork. That has happened to us. And oh my goodness, hey, you should see my 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 boo. <laughs> you should see my bonobles, you know, my, my wife. Uh, you know, me, I'm real easy going, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I things they they do bother me bother me. But you know, I'm, I'm my my personality I'm most of the time very easy going and and, and 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 things like that. But her, oh that's like her pet peeve. She'll tell you. She hates Knowing that you're telling me I'm I'm about to eat my food and I'm seeing the residue on my utensils or my spoon or fork. I'm seeing the residue from someone else's meal, from someone else's mouth. And I don't know what that person has in their mouth. They probably have gingivitis. And here it is. I'm, I'm about to put my fork in, you know. One of the restaurants, you know, I'm, uh, um, uh, you know, some of us probably heard about it, you know, probably Red Lobster, I don't know, Chili's or wherever you like to go. Uh, imagine you're about to put your fork in your in your favorite dish, and you see a big old chunk of macaroni on that fork. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you're like, ew. You know, I don't even want to eat here anymore. You know. Well, that has happened to us. And, you know, so, the thing is, we've developed a habit. Some restaurants, you know, they're good or whatnot. But uh, others others are not, you know, they're, either they're dishwashing and cleaning right or whatnot. So we was like, all right, we, 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 we say, all right, we don't want to leave this restaurant. So what did we do? We started saying, okay, you know what? Let's just ask for plastic. You know, so that's what we started doing. Not every restaurant we go to, but sometimes, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we're very observant to know if a certain restaurant it has a good dishwasher. And it's, it may not even be the, the people. It's, it's the type of dishwasher that they're using because it's a lot of people that come through there. But, but um, I use that example because even though it's a, 
awesome restaurant, the utensils, a small detail, can cause that the experience of that restaurant to be an experience for you where you have a horrible time. And do you know that's how it is for our lives? God is saying you're in restaurant Jesus. And and and, and I want to use you like a server to serve the people. But you keep giving the people I bring in my restaurant dirty utensils. And I'm using that example to describe our lives. Here it is. People come to your life. They come to see Jesus. But because they look at your life that it's not holy or they listen to your communication and they see the type of music you listen to that you, 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 you listen to music that still has cursing and lying and cheating and having sex before marriage. Yet you say, you know, Jesus Christ. But the thing is, people are coming to you, but you're giving them bad utensils. In other words, you're not living holy. And it's giving them a bad taste in their mouth. That's why no one really comes to you for prayer or wants to come to your church or or, or, or wants you to, to, to help them in their spiritual life. Why? Because you're not living like how you you say but oh, what happens when, when, when you are living the scriptures, when you are living the word of God, you're going to find that people, they want to find out the church you go to. They want to come and ask you questions. They want to, hey, say, they, they, want, they want you to pray for them. They, they want to know who your pastor is or who, 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 who a spiritual leader around your life that they can get help. Why? Because they've experienced restaurant Jesus through your life. Now, here's the next, here's the next point. I wrote this down. What is living holy? Well, if you want to know the definition of holy, uh, some of us, your definition of holy is, you know, it has to be correct. The definition of holy is this dedicated or consecrated to God or religious purpose. In other words, it's sacred. And what does sacred mean? Sacred is like a relationship with a husband and wife. It's a sacred relationship. It's a special, it's something special. It's not for everybody. You know, so what, so here's, here's the next point. What is consecration? Consecration. Well, consecration and holiness is kind of like the same thing. Here's what consecration means. The action of making or declaring something, typically a church, sacred. Something set apart for God. See, when you say, I want to take time to fast, or I want to take time to pray, or I want to take time to be in the Word of God and spend time studying God's Word, what you're doing is, You're consecrating yourself. You're setting yourself aside for God. You're setting yourself aside for something sacred, for something special, for someone special. And his name is Jesus Christ. So so that's what's 
that's what holy means. So when we talk about living holy, that means you're, you're, you're setting your lifestyle aside for God. Yes, your life, the way that you live is sacred. You can't go everywhere. You can't do everything. It's like a marriage where you can't let everybody in your bedroom. You you can't let everybody in your life. Why? Because that marriage between the husband and wife, it's special. It's sacred. So your life, if you're married to God, you can't let everybody in your life. You can't do whatever you want to do. Why? Because your life is holy. It's consecrated. It's sacred. It's special. You are special. You you know, the Bible says you are the apple of God's eye. The pupil that's in your eye. Imagine if somebody poked your pupil. God's saying that's how special your life is to me. You're not just anybody just going through life. You're not just this person in school or this person at your job. No, you, 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 you're, you're, you're walking in a higher calling than that. You, you, you're, you're, your life is sacred. It's set apart. God is saying, you're my special bride. And you'll find in the scripture a lot of times that God talks about his people as his bride, as an example of the closeness that he wants with his people, with his children. So, so that's what, so that's what's living holy. So the next step is, so what, so what happened when I got saved? What happened at salvation? So in other words, okay, yes, I know what holy means or I, I'm, I'm called to live holy, but why am I called to this sacred life? Well, You got to see what happened when you first got saved. Something happened when you asked Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. I can prove it to you. Mark chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. We're going to read about John the Baptist real quick. uh, His ministry. John the Baptist was a prophet of God uh, right before Jesus came in in the book of... uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first three books of the New Testament. He was a prophet that was, his only job was to lead people to turn from their sin. He didn't do any miracles, he didn't do anything like that, but he had a powerful preaching gift over his life. And I wrote this down, that John the Baptist's ministry... uh, it was outward, though outwardly non-religious. He was in charge to bring people to turning from their own lifestyle and desires. And Jesus came to lead into a new lifestyle. So let's see. Let's see what what, what I'm saying in um in, in this scripture, verse four through eight. Mark. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. 
Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now if you notice, let me just grab this here. If you notice, um, John the Baptist had a very powerful, powerful ministry, but Notice he was dressed in in camel's um, hair and a leather belt. Matter of fact, some translations, um, not some translation, but uh, historically, John the Baptist even had locks, <laughs> you know, and he was out in the in the wilderness, meaning that he was out in the, like the desert area and things like that. So his ministry, how is it that God put such amazing power on a man that on the outside didn't look like he was very religious. How is that? Well, that shows that God is not really concerned about the outward appearance. He's more concerned about the heart of the person. So, so that cancels out what people have thought holiness is, where that means that I got to dress in a suit and a tie or... Or, you know, or, 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 or all these different things that shows that I'm holy. Because John the Baptist, he didn't look, if he was to walk around today in our church that we have today, they'll think this brother ain't even saved. But yet God used John the Baptist's ministry to lead people to Christ. So, so John the Baptist, that was his job. His job was to lead people to repent. To turn from their lifestyles and desire and turn to Christ. And so when Christ came, it explains why Christ came. Jesus came to lead into a new life because if you notice, he said, you won't, you, I baptized John the Baptist. When people would get dipped in the water, that would be an outward sign that they are repenting, that they're turning from that way. And so when Jesus came, he said, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let's put it together. John the Baptist came to cause you to turn from that lifestyle, your old lifestyle. And Jesus came so you can walk into a new lifestyle. See, some of us, what we do is we get saved, we get baptized, but we stay right there. You don't move on. You don't move forward and into a, a new lifestyle. In other words, you've gotten saved. You left your old way behind. But you have an issue with what does fun even look like? I mean, when you look at your Christian walk, you know, you're even bored. <laughs> you know, it's boring for you. When, when, when God wants to give you a new sense of what fun looks like. You know, fun is 
going to the movies sometimes, you know, hanging out with people, you know, uh, 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 fellowshipping. In other words, spending time with new people, getting to know new people, you know, having Bible studies and saying that, hey, let's let's all good go to a cookout, you know, and things like that. Like, 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 like God is a real fun God. There's a lot of things to do when you're a Christian. You know, they, 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 there's so many events, you know, within the community. You know, I, I remember growing up in the gospel, I went to what's called Christian clubs. Where, you know, they would play music and have worship and have food. And, and we would break dance, you know, and do stuff like that. Dance contests, freestyle contests. I mean, I mean, it was fun. Still is. I mean, I get to, I get to lit now. You know, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, God just wants to change our lifestyle and our definition of what fun looks like. So, so, because see, here's the thing. Sometimes we, we, we say, oh, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm not doing anything or I'm bored or, 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 or and, and what's happening is you're not allowing God to change your view of what fun or, or this lifestyle with Christ looks like. And then you have a struggle with even the knowing that you're saved. Because you say to yourself, well, I don't feel any different, you know, or, or things like that. Well, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, I could prove that you're saved according to the scripture. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 is going to show you that even though you may not physically feel anything differently and you may not see anything differently whereas you don't really know how to you know what fun even looks like as being a Christian or how to even walk with God this is proof to know that you're saved Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 here's what it says Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for the heart for with the heart. One believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There it is. It's very simple. If you believe you're going to speak it and it's going to be reflected in your lifestyle. Why? Because you're living from the heart. You believe in your heart that uh, Jesus Christ, he uh, rose from the dead. And this, I mean, the scripture is, is black and white. It's very plain. Believe in your heart that God, rise, that God rose Jesus from the dead. Confess with your mouth and you will be saved. It's very, very simple. And your lifestyle will match what you believe because you believe it in your heart. That's how you know you're saved. Some of us are waiting to, waiting to, you know, joke and and, and roll around and vibrate on the floor or something like that. (laughs) To prove that you're saved. You're waiting for somebody to lay hands on you or something like that. And you want to feel googly. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes, sometimes God does that. But 
You know, but it, it that's not the base and the foundation of you being saved. You have to know for yourself. So you have this scripture here as proof. So so that's what happened to to us at salvation. All right? You have scripture that shows what happened to you when you first got saved. So when you realize that you're saved and you're a Christian and, and you realize that what I've been saved from, what did you been say? You were saved from your sin. You were saved from death and hell. You were saved from living a life and an eternity without God, without hope, without joy, without peace. God did it all for you at salvation. And what will happen is it would birth about a, a, a thankfulness. When you realize that, that, that you, you, you're saved, it would cause a, a, a thankfulness in your life. But here's the question. Did, the, did thankfulness, and I wrote this down, did thankfulness birth a desire to live holy, to serve, and to sacrifice. In what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross when you got saved. The question is, did it birth about a thankfulness in your life? Because if it did, we can see it. Another person should be able to see it. How? They're going to see the desire in your life to live holy. They're going to see the desire in your life to serve. They're going to see the desire in your life to want to sacrifice for God. It's, it's very plain. So if a person has gotten saved, or if you have gotten saved, and you say, I'm thankful, but you have no desire to live holy, you're a liar. You're not thankful. If you see that you're saved, and you're thankful, but you have no desire to serve or to sacrifice for God, you're lying. Why, why, why is it you're lying to yourself? Because if a person is really thankful, shouldn't it cause them to have actions that lines up with what they're thankful for? Think about it. I mentioned about me and my wife at a restaurant. You know, when we're really thankful for not having macaroni and cheese between our forks, <laughs> what we do We say you know what That was a good restaurant I'm thankful I ate I want to go back in again and eat See the thankfulness For a good experience At a restaurant Would birth about A desire to want to go back and eat It's automatic So in the same way Spiritually That's how it is spiritually let me show you a scripture to prove what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through 5. Here's what it says. Now, now check this out. This is also going to pinpoint in, in, in how you should deal with people. Because some of us, you're thankful about what God has done in your life. Matter of fact, you're living, you, you have a great desire and hunger to live holy. Great desire and hunger to serve and sacrifice. But you find yourself... Meeting other people who said that they saved. And you're trying to talk to them and convince them to be thankful or to live holy. And why isn't it working? 
why they're not really getting what you're saying is because the experience you had with God is not the same experience that they say they had. Could it be that the person, they didn't experience God at all, they actually experienced religion. And here's the difference. When you experience religion, you're experiencing... You, 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 in other words, like, like if I go to a church and I have a great time uh, uh, um, at that church and all they told me was to um, give, give money, say for example... And I say, you know what? I believe I'm going to be blessed because I gave my money. And someone asked me, hey, what was the message about? What was the sermon about? And they say, well, I, I don't remember. But I know that I gave my money and I'm looking for my blessing. Right? That person has not understood that that experience they had, they experienced religion. They didn't ex- have an experience with God. They had an experience where they felt like if I if 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 I'm good enough or if I do a religious work I should receive a reward. See they experience religion with no transformation of the heart. But you you experience transformation of the heart and it brought about a, a thankfulness and it brought about a way that caused your life to live a certain way and to change. So when you try to talk to them about your heart being changed and how their heart need to change, they're not going to understand you. They're not going to really accept what you're saying. Why? Because it's foreign to them. Because they're not thankful. And because they're not thankful, they have no desire. And because they have no desire, they're not going to have a desire to live holy, to serve or sacrifice for God. Like how you're doing. So, let me show you what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you notice, the Bible says it's by grace. In other words, you didn't deserve what God gave you. That's why I said by grace you have been saved. So when you don't deserve something, but you get it anyway, doesn't that cause you to be thankful? It's automatic. It's nothing you have to muster up. You're just thankful. It's like with God. God said, you know what? I love this person so much. I'm going to sacrifice and send my son to die so they can be saved. Not based on what they did, but based on what I did. That's what God said. That's what God did. Now, so God's does God's. Love in his heart birthed about an action. The love that he had for us. In the same way, your thankfulness, it should birth about action. It should birth about uh, 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 servanthood, sacrifice, things like that. 
Why? Because you're thankful. So, so here's the here's the question. The question is this now. You have a choice to make. When we have a choice to make. Either the choice, just like I mentioned about a restaurant. When you get that fork and you got a big old piece of macaroni and cheese in between the fork, what do you do? Do you still continue to use it? And here's the, here's the, here's the thing is, some of us, you know, you may say to us, you, some, sometimes people say to themselves, well, you know, I'll just scrape it off and put some water on it and still use the fork because I'm hungry. I don't want to be bothered. But at the back of their minds, they're like, oh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I should have asked for a different fork. So the fork will still do its job in feeding the person, but the experience won't be too pleasurable. So, so that shows that, the, why am I saying this? Because we have a choice to make either to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. In other words, in other words, yes, you're saved and you're Christian, right? But... Your lifestyle or our lifestyle won't really be effective in changing other people's lives like if we was living holy. So like that fork, the fork will still do its job, but the fork will still be dirty. It can do the job of feeding the person, but it'll be a dirty fork. So your life and our lives, if it's holy, it can save someone. It can transform someone. People can see God. But if it's unholy, you can still be a vessel. In other words, people will still hear about Christ through your life, but they won't be able to receive Christ to the point of saying, hey, you know, I want to go to your church or, hey, can you pray for me or things like that? Because they'll feel like you're playing games. They'll still hear about Christ now and maybe go on their own personal time and pray to God themselves. But you won't be the influence that caused them to do that. So you will be, you'll still be that fork, but that fork will be dirty. And eventually that fork will be thrown away. You know, so, so, so here's the thing. So when I say a vessel of honor and a vessel of dishonor, what does that mean? A lot of times you hear that in the scripture, you hear that in the word of God. And you need to understand, we need to understand what that means. A vessel is a hollow container, especially one used to hold liquid, such as a bowl or, 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 or cask. Uh, and an example of a vessel of dishonor versus a vessel of honor, we're going to see one last story in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11 to 19. And we're going to see what I'm saying as far as a vessel of honor versus a vessel of dishonor. Luke chapter 17 verses 11 to 19. What does, we're going to start at verse 11. Now it happened as we went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood far off and they left, lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
So, what, first off, when we read this, what is leprosy? Well, leprosy was an incurable skin disease at that time. And basically, that this disease would cause your skin to dis- decay and melt off your body. I mean, it was contagious. If you touch it, it was yours for life. I mean, leprosy is a very excruciating um, disease to have. And that's what these 10 men had. They had leprosy. They had this skin disease. And they knew that Jesus can heal leprosy. So what they did, they said, hey, this is our opportunity to get change. Let's be desperate for this change. Because what happened is they yelled and screamed to the top of their lungs. Have you ever seen people like that? They are desperate for God. That said, Lord, I need you. You know, I'm desperate. I'm, I, I need you. And some of us, you was at that place. You were desperate. You had your spiritual leprosy, which was your, could have been, your, you know, your sin. Or you was, you was like, God, I need you. You was at a place. Of desperation. That's what these men, that's where these men were, these ten men. They were desperate. Because if you had leprosy, you couldn't really hang around with people. You 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 stayed off because people didn't want to be around you because they were afraid that you would touch them. So 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 society rejected them. And they were tired of that. They was at a place of desperation. Verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, if you notice, Jesus, he was like, okay, I'm not, I'm, you expecting me to just lay hands on you or speak a word to you so you can be healed. No, go and show yourself to the priest. To the religious establishment at that time. You know what that shows about Jesus? Jesus, even though he was Messiah and he believed that God sent him to bring about a new a new movement with the kingdom of God. He still respected the religious establishment. He wasn't out here saying, oh, don't go to the priest. No, he said, go to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. So. There was still a respect for the religious establishment at that time, though he knew the truth. And what does that mean for you? That means that, you know, that means that even though you're saved and you're Christian and you know what religion looks like, that doesn't mean that you should dishonor or disrespect people who may be religious. Some people, they just don't know. Or some people, you need to pray for them because they were raised that way. And so you who know the truth about relationship with God and and about the power of God, you have to also be patient with with people. So so when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, it must have been something also in their hearts that had an issue with that religious establishment that brought about the leprosy in their lives because leprosy was seen as something that came from you sinning. And they understood that. So Jesus was like, hey, you may feel a certain way about this religious establishment, but I'm saying you need to respect. You need to respect it. You, you know, yes, 
do what they say, but don't do what they do. Yeah, you may have to see, you may have seen hypocrisy in the church. That doesn't mean that everybody's a hypocrite and you need to be one. No. That means that those people, though they may be hypocrites, that doesn't mean that the church is bad. It means that those people have not come into a place of salvation and being thankful in what God has done. Their eyes are not open yet. So, so let's see what happened. If you notice, when they listened to what Jesus said, look what happened. The Bible says, they went and they were cleansed. In other words, their skin became like baby skin when they obeyed. So you know what that tells me? Obeying brings a reward. Not just a reward, but obeying God brought about the cleansing miracle power of God. So you know, so you know what happens when you begin to obey? A reward comes to you. You know, and it could be many different things. Not just that, but the power of God begins to come in your life when you begin to obey. And notice, notice. The Bible says they were all cleaned. That means all of them experienced the power of God. All of them, when they obeyed God, begin to experience something they've never seen before. So when you begin to obey God in your life, do you know you will start experiencing things you've never seen before? Some of us, you've never seen in this place of your life, you've never seen the fact that you could stop cursing. The fact that you can remain sexually pure. The fact that you can be consistent with reading your Bible and going to church. You didn't think that that was even possible. But what happened was you obeyed the gospel. And now the gospel is bringing the reward of a changed life. Your life is being changed. Your talk, your walk is being changed. You're experiencing the supernatural ministry of Jesus. So let's see what else happens. The next verse. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving thanks giving him thanks and he was a samaritan so if you notice also not just outwardly he was he received a miracle but something happened on the inside of his spirit his heart it was not just a physical change for him he had a, he had a change in attitude he had a lot of gratefulness. He came back to honor Jesus. He said, I want to come back and respect Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to go to his feet. I want to choose to live differently because he experienced not just an outward change, but an inward change as well. Matter of fact, he even had a loud voice and he was unashamed to let the world know about this Jesus. He fell down on his face, giving thanks to God. And you know what else the Bible said? The Bible says he was not just at Jesus' feet, which is a place of learning, growing, and hearing from Jesus, 
But the Bible says that he was a Samaritan. You know what the Samaritan were? They were like the outcasts of Israel. Because at that time, the Samaritans, their descendants and their great-great-grandparents came from nations who were not a part of Israel. So they were seen a certain way in Israel, these Samaritan people, and they were seen as outcasts of Israel, outcasts of Jews. They felt like, hey, you don't belong here. But yet, the Bible is saying that this Samaritan not just received an outward miracle, but something happened in his heart. Something changed in him. He had, he said, man, I, I, I experienced Jesus' supernatural power. I don't want to just go on and, and enjoy my miracle. I want to tell him thank you. I want to come back and worship him. I want to come back and, and, and be at his feet and learn and grow. Have you ever seen that before? You know, as a pastor, I've seen that in ministry. So many people receive miracles from God. So many people receive prayer and, and they say, oh, I'm, I want to testify for my miracle. And they want to do all that. But not a lot of people will come back like how this Samaritan leper did. And say, you know what? I want to come back to this ministry that gave me my miracle. I want to be a disciple. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to respect and honor the anointing. I'm grateful. I got to change an attitude. I want to learn everything they got to learn that, that he needs to learn about God. I'm not missing no service. The devil is a liar. I'm going to be at service every time the door opens because I'm so thankful about what God has done for me. But here's the crazy thing. When you read this story... Where are the ten? I mean, where are the other nine people? Didn't the Bible say that Jesus healed ten lepers? Why we only see one coming back? Let's see what let's see what happened. Verse eighteen. Eighteen. Oh, seventeen. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to them, just verse 17. Uh, so notice even Jesus had a problem with this. So you're telling me, Jason, that Jesus has a problem with people who just receive miracles from God and don't want to come back and give and give God thanks or change their attitude in their life and things like that. Yes, that's what the scripture says. Or Jesus wouldn't have had a problem and said anything about it. Matter of fact, Jesus said, how is it that only uh, one came back to give glory to God and he's a foreigner? In other words, the rest of them were Jews. They had to be. 
The rest of them, they weren't Samaritans. They had to be Jews. They had to be those who grew up in Israel. Those who know how Israel functions. They weren't outcasts. They were like, what, what, what is a foreigner? A foreigner is somebody, for example, if you're in America, um, you know, there are freedoms that you enjoy in America, right? But when you're not an American citizen, there are certain freedoms that you won't receive. Matter of fact, you won't be able to go into certain business arenas because of, of that fact. You won't be able to, 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 to go into the army of the United States because of that fact. So there are benefits to being a citizen. But this Samaritan, here it is, he's not a citizen. But he's the only one who came and gave God The glory. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that it's the ones that are considered outcast and rejected by society that God uses. So that means don't 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 look down on the prostitute. Because she may be the one that get on fire for God and give God the glory. Don't, don't, don't look down on the one who's losing drugs and alcohol because they're the ones that God is saying, oh, they're going to love me the most because when I save them, they're going to do more than people who go to church every Sunday. Don't, don't, don't look down on people because of how they look to society on the, on the outside because God is saying they're like the Samaritan. They're like the ones who's considered outcasts. But they're the ones who's going to come and be thankful. And what did I say earlier? They're going to desire to live holy, serve, and sacrifice. So, so, so check this out. Um, verses 19, and I'll, I'll, I'll end on verse 19. Look what Jesus said to the Samaritan when he did this. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So look what took place. And I want to really dissect this because Jesus said, first he said, arise. You know what arise mean? Arise means to step out of where you were. Right? And this is what he also, he said, go your way. You know what go means? Go means walk into your new identity and lifestyle. In other words, let me break it down like this. The, the, this leper, this man with a skin condition, he, he had to arise and go, right? He had to step out of where he was and walk into his new identity and lifestyle because this was this is what his identity was he was seen as sick that's one he was seen as rejected that's two he was seen as someone who was cursed by god but here it is he obeyed what jesus said and now he's no longer where he was he's not sick no more He's healed. So he's, he can boldly say, I am not sick. I am now healed. So he stepped out of where he was. And here go his new identity. He, he, he walked into a new identity because what, what happens when, you, when you're not sick no more? You can walk around. 
You can party. <laughs> you know, you can go to party. You know, you can go out and enjoy life. You can party. You know, people will, will you know, will, will be happy for you. You know, you could be in new surroundings. It's a whole different lifestyle than when you're sick. It's a new identity you have. Have you ever been like that? Where people, they saw you based on where you were. In other words, when they saw you, they saw you as this, 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 this person who, 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 who was this way or that way. And, and they saw you in that certain way, but they didn't realize the change that has happened in your life. And now, even how they deal with you and speak to you, it's based on where you used to be. You ever, you ever been there? I've been there. People treat you based on who you used to be. And don't even realize that you walk. You did what this leopard did. You, you arose, and you went your way. You go. You you did what Jesus said. You you go. You know, there's something called a man of God. Say the go of the gospel. Where 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 it takes action to walk into a new identity. You 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 know. I I want to say to you this morning that God says that He don't want you to stay in that old identity. He don't want you to stay in that yesterday. He don't want you to stay in that old bitterness, that bitter young man or that bitter young girl or that used and abused by society, young young man or or woman or man or whoever you are. He don't want you to stay in that place. Why? Because God said, I want to give you a new identity. I need you to arise and go. But notice what Jesus said after he said, arise and go. He said, your faith made you well. So you know what that tells me? That tells me faith created, and I wrote this down. Faith created healing on the outside and inside. And I wrote this down also. The power of walking in obedience brings about holiness. See, his faith, his belief healed him on the outside and on the inside as well. It did an inward transformation. So the power that he experienced because he obeyed brought about a new lifestyle. You know what, you know what that means for us? That means that you can, with your faith, walk into a new level of holiness. A new level of lifestyle. A new level of your life and identity. And so here's, here's the final point. Holiness now means when people see me, they no longer connect me to my sickness or my past or what I was identified as. But now I'm connected to wholeness, freedom, and royalty. You know, think about how this sick man felt. He must have been sick for a really, really long time because he was crying. He was yelling and screaming, saying, God, I thank you. I mean, think about the anguish of people looking at you a certain way every day. Think about the anguish when they see that not only do you have leprosy, but you are Samaritan. In other words, you're the outcast of Israel. Even, even the lepers, the other nine lepers who were Jews... They probably looked at him in a certain way like, hey, yeah, we got leprosy, but at least we ain't no Samaritan. <laughs> like you, God really hates you, brother. <laughs> That's how they were. Because 
How do I know that? Because they didn't come back and give God any thanks. They didn't come back and were thankful. So there had to be some type of pride in their life where they even looked at the Samaritan some type of way. Because only he came back. So, so, I, I, could, I, could, I, could, I can't help but think that maybe he said, you know what, not only did God heal me, but I'm a Samaritan and he did this for me? I'm an outcast in society? Before I even got sick with leprosy, I was already an outcast in Israel. But here it is, God has healed me and accepted me as his child. And he, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So he must have said, um, now when people see me, they no longer connect me to my sickness no more. They no longer identify me with who I used to be anymore. Now I am whole. Now I have freedom. Now I am royalty. Now I'm a child of God. And some of us, you may feel like you that leper. You know, you may, now God has connected you to wholeness, royalty, and freedom. And you may say, well, Jason, you know, I don't really feel like royalty or, well, how can you say I am royalty? Because according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, this is what God says about those who are saved. The scripture says, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. The Bible says that he has made you a king. Or if you're female, a queen. Why? Because God is a king. And if you're his child, that means you're royalty. I'll give you another scripture. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation. God says he chose you. It says a royal priesthood. God says you're royal, you are royalty. You got more royalty than the Queen of, queen of England. Because the Queen of England in heaven, she's not going to be the Queen of nothing. If she's not saved, she's she not going to be in heaven with no, with, you know, with, 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 because there's no England in heaven. The only thing that's there is kingdom. So, so in heaven, even, even like we consider the people who are royalty on earth as having power, God says, you got power, you're royalty. Let me finish here. It says, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the Bible is giving you identity. This is proof of our identity. God says that you're a king or you're a queen in my eyes. Walk like it. God says that not only that, but you're chosen in this generation. I chose you out of all these people. I, I want to do something with you. I chose you. Walk like you're chosen. God says in his word that you are a royal priesthood. That means you're a priest. You have access to God. Walk like you got access to God. The Bible also says you're a holy nation. You're holy. You're part of a nation. The nation of Jesus Christ. Walk like you're holy. Walk like you belong to this nation of the kingdom of God. 
God says his own special people. God calls you special. You're sacred. Walk like it. Walk like you're special. And don't let anybody connect you to your old identity. Because the Bible says that Jesus, he wants you to be like that leper. Jesus is saying some of, to some of us today, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Your belief, your faith in God is what caused you to walk into this new identity, this new way of holiness, this new way of being chosen, this new way of being royalty, this new way of being holy and special. God's saying that you're not like everybody else. You don't have to sit and settle for what people in this world have dished out to you. No, walk into your purpose and your destiny. Some of us, you, you, you need to break out of what people told you. You need to break out of that control, that manipulation. Break out of that garbage that people try to put on your life. But walk into who God has said, your new identity. Because God has said, it's time for you to believe. Revelations 1.6, it's time for you to walk in that. 1 Peter 2.9, it's time for you to walk in that. It's time for you to receive the reward. Of living holy. So that's the, that's, that's the word for today. I hope you enjoyed this word. I hope you also would di- uh, digest it, download it, and really get it in your spirit. But we always want to take time.